Hello, Texans, and welcome to the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer with you, soon to be joined by D.P. Sidhu. Drew Doherty's going to be in. we got a big three-hour block of shows for you tonight. John Harris later on with Texans Matchup. It's all good, and it's all from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. First guest is going to be Jerry Hughes. We'll get to him in a moment. Then Justin Britt is going to join us. We'll have a little bonus material from Davis Mills and a whole bunch of other stuff going on. But let's start with Jerry Hughes, Houstonian, Austin High School, TCU alum, former Colt, former Buffalo Bill, now a Texan. And, of course, the conversation. We had this earlier, and DP asked Jerry Hughes about the draw, the tie, 20 to 20 with the Colts on opening day. How do you feel after a tie? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, it it was a weird feeling. It was (laughs) kind of real eerie in the locker room in the sense that we weren't upset because we didn't lose. We weren't happy because we didn't win, but we know, and we all felt like we could have played better. So I I guess that was probably the most positive thing to kind of take from just being there after the game is that we all felt like we could play better. I was in the locker room after the game. It felt like a loss, maybe because of the way that y'all were leading for the first three quarters and you you knew the game was in hand, but then, you know, today, Mark and I were talking, we were were like, we have to remind ourselves, it was not a loss. There were a lot of positives to be taken from it. Your performance being one of them, I mean, the game that you had, first of all, I mean, what fountain of youth are you drinking from? Oh, like, man, you know. Uh, playing at the speed that you're playing with. It, it, it must be the weather, you know. The uh, heat must just work really well <laughs> with you. my body, you know. I, I, I don't know what just came over me that day, you know, if it's just b- being at home, you know. The stadium was just rocking. Our fans were just electric, you know. So, I don't know, probably just a combination of just all of that, really. What is it like to be playing pro football in your hometown? That's got to be an odd experience, a great experience yeah. after so many years, Indy and then Buffalo. Certainly. It's certainly different, I was, I would say. I mean, I've never really thought about it ever happening just because of I was drafted in Indy, so I was just like, all right, I'm going to be out here in Indy. And then I got traded to Buffalo. And it's like, okay, well, I'm in more cold weather. <laughs> so it's like, will I ever come back to Texas? I mean, so uh, it's been fun. For the most part, you know, uh, my family, my friends kind of being able to kind of interact with them more now that I'm not on the uh, East Coast and time zone. So I'm not like an hour mm-hmm. ahead of everyone. So it's been just really fun getting back to my home state, getting back to my home city, seeing everyone more often, you know. So uh, that's been the really cool part, you know, for the first, what, 13 years of my career. It's all or actually should say 12. It's been six months here and then, you know, six months wherever city I was kind of playing in. So now kind of being home for the full year, it's been really, really cool. When you've been on those other teams and you have played games in NRG Stadium, but as a member of the opposing team, yeah. uh, what, what what was it like for you to be on the other side of the ball, but then coming home? Like, this is your hometown. What's that like oh, for a player when you get to go to your home city, but you're on the opposing team? Yeah, no, uh, it's so different. Like, the fans are way more hostile, even though you're from the... <laughs> like, I'm from here. The home city. No, no, no. But it's like, they actually do their research so they're like hitting you on like hometown digs and things like that which like it makes the game just that much more fun because I mean we're still playing a game so anytime you can trash talk or throw any kind of just verbal jargon out there it's just great it just kind of picks up your juices a little bit more but uh no it's been really cool being here because I was always on the other side of the building so I like learning the building probably took me the Mm. longest probably than I probably ever had to kind of make that whole transition just because I felt like I was always opening the door like, okay, this is the away team locker room, but it just (laughs) never seemed to happen. So, yeah, it's been really cool, though. Jerry Hughes with us. You had a really good game in the playoff game here 
Cap in the 2019 season. Yeah. I mean, you guys lost. Buffalo lost that game, but you played really well. And the Bills have had some success against the Texans over the years with the uh, 2015 win up there. Obviously, what happened last year. Uh, but DP talked about what it's like to come home and play. What is it like to play college football in this state? Because you're from Houston, and you went up to Fort Worth to play at TCU. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? And I don't know if you were recruited by the Aggies or Longhorns, whatever, but you ended up being a first-team All-American. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't recruited by the big state schools here. Uh, TCU came after me, and I really liked what the school had to offer. You know, it's a private school, so uh, the classroom dynamic was really small, so it gave you a great opportunity to kind of get affiliated with your professors and learn more. And then also just uh, being in that uh, – Fort Worth atmosphere, you kind of think, you know, Houston, Sugarland, Richmond, that area is kind of like football guy. Like, no one can do it better than your home city, of course. But, no, Fort Worth, they were rowdy. I mean, it was crazy to see college kids actually cheer for a defensive player, let alone a defensive lineman. Actually, you know, taking the time to understand the game. And on third down, they're cheering because they want sacks. They want turnovers. So that was really cool to kind of – experience that firsthand because you really don't see too many defensive players get that kind of fan appreciation just because, you know, whoever is scoring a touchdown or throwing the pass gets a lot of the uh, TV coverage. But they embrace defensive style of play, which is really cool to kind of see a school, uh, a student body really do that. So um, playing up in Fort Worth, a.k.a. Funky Town, it was fun. It was uh, <laughs> it was great. They like never their, heard that. Right, yeah, no, they like their football. They love their Defensive style, they love defensive play, which is really cool. And uh, I enjoyed it all four years. Do you, were you, do you ever have a chip on your shoulder when you were in college that you weren't recruited heavily by some of these other big Texas schools? Was that one of your options? Were you looking to get out of the state of Texas for football at all? Uh, you know, I think my chip kind of grew on me when I first got there because I played running back in high school. And so mm -hmm. I got the number 98 on my locker. So I kind of called my mom and said, hey, you know, I'll be redshirted so you don't, you don't have to book all these trips to all these schools. And they were like, no, nah, we kind of want to see you put your hand in the ground and chase this quarterback. And I think that kind of that kind of set me off a little bit because I felt like I was good enough to play running back. But, you know, my parents always said, look at the challenges that – life gives you and see how you can kind of tackle those uh, obstacles. So I kind of felt like that was a new challenge for me. So I embarked on that journey, but I think that's where my chip always came from. It's like seeing those guys on offense. And I was like, I was one of you guys. I felt like I could have been here doing <laughs> what you guys are doing. So I kind of want to rough them up. Was and that hard to make that transition? I mean, you got the ball in your hands and now you're on the defensive side. Were you excited about switching over to defense? Or was it a surprise that you that's what they wanted you to do? Yeah, uh, it was a surprise. I, I was recruited, as I guess, as an athlete at that time. So, I mean, mm. playing offense in, in high school, I just envisioned athlete was just something where I would be around the football a little bit more. Uh, but I guess the most fun part was just gaining weight, showing up to campus, being 215, and them kind of saying, here's the foods you can eat. And as a college kid, there wasn't too much that wasn't on that list. So, I mean, that really uh, opened up my whole spectrum for food. I really got to appreciate <laughs> that especially a lot Texas. more. Right, yes. especially in Texas. I mean, Cowtown from steaks to, you know, great Mexican food up there in uh, Fort Worth. So it was really cool to kind of eat and grow and kind of learn uh, a different side of football, honestly. What is the place, Joey T's or something in Fort Worth? Joey T's, yeah, yeah so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've read a lot of books and stuff, and I've traveled a little bit. Okay, Jerry Hughes is with us. You had the ball in your hands on Sunday. How hard is it to make that pick? Is that just pure reflex, like, oh, here's the ball? 
Uh, how did you go about that? And then when you have the ball in your hands, you're thinking, hey, this is the moment, right? I mean, I know you're trying to score. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, just picking up on the play, I, th I think, was key. Just realizing that when that running back came towards me and he didn't try to actually make contact, I knew something was up. So I kind of tried to position myself in between him and the quarterback and then just sticking that paw up there, grabbing the ball. I for sure thought I was going to score. Uh, Jonathan came, he picked up a block on the offensive lineman, and I thought he was going back to pick up one more block on uh, Taylor, the uh, intended receiver. So all I had to do was make the uh, quarterback miss, and I think I've been giving myself hell for it because I can't believe I couldn't make one guy miss, like the actual quarterback. And so, yeah, no, I've been teasing all the guys on the D-line about me being this offensive player and being <laughs> a wizard with the football. And I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe the quarterback got me. He took me down. I mean, that your play led to the O.J. Howard touchdown, the first one. So, I mean, that was a huge play. And then later on you had the, the forced fumble, which yeah. I, I think even though that wasn't recovered, it really set up sort of a chain of events that knocked uh, Indy out of field goal range. Like, you, yeah. did, did it mm -hmm. feel like the momentum shifted after that, after that second takeaway that you had? Certainly, certainly. Like, I think they ended up picking up an offside penalty. And I think at that point they were already well out of field goal range. And so with a third and – long situation like that, we knew it was going to be a, a screen, so it allowed us to really rally fast to that. But no, and that's what we want to be about is taking off points. That's just because we know that's where you win football games in this league is putting up points on the scoreboard. So anytime we can kind of tighten up that uh, red zone area there, we try to really focus on that. You mentioned Jonathan Grenard. Some of the other guys making plays against the Colts. Grenard had that takedown of Naheem Hines in the yeah. Wildcats set. What was your reaction when you see him? I mean, everything's happening so fast. Yeah. And they went to that play pretty quickly, probably too quickly for their taste because it was stopped. Yeah, no, it was, guys. it was, but it was a very successful play that, that they've had. And we've actually watched it with our position coach on film. So mm. for him to kind of make that instinctive play of going towards Jonathan Taylor, who was the actual running back carrying out that fake, and then to come back late towards Hines, mastermind. I mean, to be, because you know at that point in time, that guy's not used to making those kind of reads. So if he just sees you give one thing and then you take it away mm. and him to make that play and, again, taking points off the board, that's huge because that's how you win games is by putting points up there. And for him to kind of set that play up and then to make that TFL, that was big for us. I felt like you could just hear the energy in the crowd when he yeah. made that fourth down stop. I mean, he just, like, blasted mm. him. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Just, just by the way he did it, like I said, his whole thought process behind the play, you knew that he knew – what was going on. So, so his whole play recognition, his antennas were up, and then for him to actually successfully execute it, uh, it was huge. And that's something that we needed. We, we needed to kind of keep them off the board because we knew it was going to be a long battle with those guys. They're, uh, they are a playoff team, I would say. I mean, they were, missed the boat last year, but they beat us twice uh the year before so we know that every year we get to uh play them it's going to come down to it well a lot of people are picking them to win the division right. or were before the season started right. the season's one game old but you guys are tied for first with a tie it's as yeah. weird as that sounds <laughs> exactly. here you are so i know it's a week-to-week -week thing jerry but you got to feel despite the fact that you weren't able to close it you got to feel pretty good about, yeah, all right, we got a half win in the bank, and it's good enough for first at this point, and you yeah. take your shot at Denver this week. Absolutely. I mean, we got something to kind of build off on. You know, we started mm -hmm. fast. So that's something that, you know, we can kind of build off on that is, you know, we know that we're going to come to the games. We're going to bring that energy. We got to keep doing that for 
17 weeks. I want to get, you know, relaxed on that. But just now it just comes down to finishing the games. You know, that's the big thing about being in the uh, NFL is that fourth quarter can either make you or it can break you. And so, you know, we're finding that out now. That's something that we really got to focus on. When you look at the positives from the game, I, I talked to Jacques Azir, your, your D-line coach, before the start of the season. He said the identity of this D-line group, he really wanted to sort of get under the skin of opposing quarterbacks. And it seemed like you guys were rattling Matt Ryan throughout the game. And, I mean, how big of a test is that for you guys? He's a veteran quarterback. He doesn't turn the ball over very much. He's seen pretty much everything. But the fact that you were able to do that to a guy that's so experienced in the league, like what can you take from that moving forward? I think that's, you know, it's a great uh, stepping stone for us for – Week one, you know, uh, we kind of revamped our D-line. We know what were the uh, areas where we kind of want to improve on. And so to kind of ruffle that guy's feathers and to kind of get him going, you know, force it into some early throws or, you know, some bad throws, some drop snaps, things like that that we can kind of hang our hat on. It's just now it's going to come down to us being a complete unit and um, stopping the run. It's, it's going to be something that we have to kind of get back to doing just so we can make teams more one-dimensional. And then by doing that, you know, we can really pin our ears back and uh, go hunt. What did you think of Malik Collins when it comes to stopping the run, just the, what, what he's able to do? It seemed like early on he was yeah, everywhere. He was, and he's just so dang explosive, you know. I mean, just by the way he plays, he's a physical guy. And, I mean, you, just, you can see it in his play. I mean, it doesn't take much to kind of get him going, but if you're in his range or, or his area of striking, you're going to feel him. And, and we – need that kind of play from him. And, you know, he's always in the quarterback space, causing him to kind of go through, I, w I would say, untimely throws. And that's what we need up front. And so if he can kind of keep that play for us for 17 weeks, it's going to be a good season. Jerry Hughes joining us. All right, let's talk about other destinations, other places you've been. We talked about the Colts and Buffalo, but not in great detail. So tell me something good about living in Buffalo. I can imagine a lot of things that are difficult, like winter. Yeah. Just that subject alone, Jerry. Winter in Buffalo. And I've been up there in the winter. But what's good about living in Buffalo? I'd say the food. Uh, you mm. get some really good, authentic Italian food up there. Uh, every place in Buffalo has at least won or been awarded some trophy for their chicken wings. So it gives <laughs> you the opportunity of going around and seeing who really has the best wings. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that you can kind of really take advantage of because there's a lot of places that have some uh, different kind of Buffalo-style chicken wings. Uh, other than that, uh, being a Texan, the winter is probably something you're really going to have to get used to, and you can kind of enjoy it. My kids do. I know my daughter says that a lot when she's at training camp about how much she, she misses being out there in the snow and things like that. Mm. But, uh, you know, the snow is something that we don't really get a lot. They get a lot of it, so you can kind of enjoy it for, you know, that little brief time period before you kind of got to come back to this. I was going to say, the back to the wings, did you get used to drinking, uh, eating blue cheese, or did you stick with ranch? Stuck it seemed like ranch. people in Buffalo were really picky about they, that. They love their blue cheese. I don't get it, but maybe I thought maybe you did after being yeah, there all those years. I tried it. I tried to get it. I, I don't know why I'm built with ranch. Ranch is just it's such wings a, and ranch. It's such a strong flavor. I think it's that's what much. bugs me about the blue cheese. It is. It is. I feel like you got to have like that those particular taste buds in that area to kind of really <laughs> enjoy to grow that. Up in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Us, I mean, being here in texas ranch it just it just feels right ranch, <laughs> ranch just feels better why. yeah i don't know why but i'm personally biased just because i grew up down south all right let's talk are you about, gonna ask about indy now of What's, course uh, I, I, I have to do this i was born in I, indianapolis yes. and i grew up in indianapolis so i'm very curious to see how mark phrases well this. <laughs> uh, 
it's Mark hates it's the well known in this way. building that I hate the Colts like poison, right? Okay. And and now you know you've sampled it from a Texan side. Yeah. This rivalry, this series, and some of the difficulty. Now at least the Texans didn't lose, so that was really good. Yep. And there was a lot of positives in the game, so I like that. And we'll see what happens up there. Last game of the regular season, we'll see what happens. Anyway, Jerry, you were there. It's an interesting time that you were there because you were there for Peyton Manning's last year. Yep. And then you had the year with Orlovsky and whatever else the Colts were putting together in 2011 when they still beat the Texans up there, by the way. So that was tough to take. And then you have Andrew Luck coming in, and then you go to Buffalo the following year. So what was that transition period like in Indy to play with both Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck? And you went to the playoffs with Andrew Luck yeah. 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. No, it was really cool playing with Peyton Manning. Uh Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, uh, Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney, Gary Brackett, like all those guys that you that were part of that Super Bowl run with the Colts. Uh, it was like an, an a huge awe moment for me. I mean, I had watched those guys when I was growing up, even in my college and high school days. You know, just you, you would always see them on Monday night, Sunday night football. So it was cool to kind of be in the same locker room atmosphere with them to see how they kind of prepared for Sundays, how they kind of got themselves ready for games and, and, and things like that because you really don't get that opportunity to kind of be around Hall of Fame talent and so much of it and mm. on both sides of the ball. So uh, that was really cool. And then going through the whole Peyton Manning season where he wasn't there uh, to be on the top of the division, then having to restart, uh, yeah, that's an eye-open experience just from internally. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. You really didn't know who was going to be the quarterback. You really didn't know what we were going to do as far as a defense. And so uh, it was a, a complete mess. So being a part of, I guess, of a rebuild franchise, because we ended up picking up Luck, T.Y., uh, Kobe Flanner, and a couple mm -hmm. other guys in that draft class. Uh, that was interesting to see. But then at the, at the same time, uh, watching Luck play, man, that was something that was really incredible for a rookie to do. I remember we were in Detroit when uh, I think that was his rookie year. We were in Detroit down three scores, fourth quarter, and he was able to kind of put together this masterful performance, you know, throwing the ball, you know, getting sacked, getting hit, and still completing passes. And uh, it was just incredible to see someone who's kind of built like Josh Allen at that time mm -hmm. kind of do some of the same skill traits and things like that. And it was just it was amazing to see what he did, and as a rookie leading organization that was just, uh, I mean, he probably won two or three games that year before he had got there and mm -hmm. turned that around into a playoff contender again. I mean, it was really cool to see, but then you got to see what a team needs to be a a playoff contender, how you got to have balance on both sides of the ball because it's, it's, it's great to have an offense that's going to do everything. You need a defense that's going to, close games. And I think that's what's really what Super Bowl and AFC champion teams, that's what they have. And so I think that was really great for me to kind of be a part of because I got to see the Peyton Manning area where they had that defense that could close out games and help them win championships. And then coming in and watching Luck rebuild that whole organization and then some of the things that he did, it was just amazing quarterback play. It's such an interesting time in their franchise. We always talk about the Andrew Luck podcast that's out. I don't know, Mark, if you've heard it yet, but I've read the excerpts and <laughs> Mark heard is excerpts. Fat, probably fast forward through most of it. I think one of the things that I didn't know was that final season with, with the season where Peyton was hurt, he was still trying to rally to get back into the games. Yeah. They said in, in, in the podcast that he thought, well, I'll just keep throwing and maybe if, you know, I can come into the game like 
during you know when when the team's in the red zone or something. He yeah. was trying to find a way to get back on the field even in that uh, 2011 season where he wasn't playing. Like, were, yeah. were you, did you guys kind of know what was going on with him wanting to get back on the field? Was it, Were you guys very aware of that? We didn't know that. I mean, but anytime you see a guy at the facility at 6 a.m. in the training room still working like he's normally worked, you know, like he didn't skip a beat. Uh, he's there late going over film. He's working with the quarterbacks. Even during the game, he has a headset in. He's talking to those guys. So you knew that he was that there was something in the works. He's still trying to fight and come back. But, you know, uh, I mean, his injury was just that much severe. But, no, you could certainly see it in him. I mean, like like I said, like being there with Peyton, you, there wasn't going to be anyone that was going to beat him in that building or stay there longer than him. I mean, he just knew that much of the offense. And it was amazing to see someone like that work because you ne you've never seen someone at that level of – quarterback play play you know what i'm saying like you see him on tv you, you've never really seen him mm -hmm. behind the scenes and know what it really takes to be as they call him the freaking sheriff and yeah i mean you got to see it it was amazing i mean just practice training camps it, it was incredible just how intense and how detailed he was and he would hold everyone to that same standard it, it didn't matter if you were on the look team like myself if i was a four eye or a five technique he knew where i needed to be and i was just like that's incredible what about now with Andrew Luck? Pep Hamilton was there that first year that you were there with in no, here? No, or he came later. I think he came later. Okay, so yeah. when you see Pep running the offense, do you see any similarities between what he was able to do with Andrew Luck and, and now? Because I know that they've talked about, Davis has talked about sometimes, they'll go back and watch some of the Andrew Luck film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just because we watched Luck when he was in uh, college. So mm -hmm. when he was playing in college, I think Pep was the uh, coordinator right. there. Yep. So you can kind of see some of the similarities as far as the uh, offensive scheme and how he uses certain personnel and, and things like that. And so it, it's fun to watch because he has Davis back there. I'm just like, man, this is incredible. Like these guys have, are, are still doing what they were doing in, in college. So I, it's just going to be great to kind of see how this offense builds and just continues to just progress as the season grows. All right, much more coming up with Jerry Hughes, Houston defensive end, defensive co-captain, as the Texans Players Show continues. It's Texans Radio. So glad you're listening tonight to the Texans Players Show as D.P. Sidhu and I catch up with Jerry Hughes. Soon to come, Justin Britt, Texans Center. But more with Jerry. A couple of other things about Buffalo. You're there when the Bills rise from wherever you were to the playoffs after a long playoff drought. And look, it's only been only three years for the Texans, and I would love it to stop this year. But with the Bills, it was a monumentally long time. What was it like being in the locker room when, what was it? You saw Andy Dalton yeah. beat, I forget what the team Baltimore, was. Andy beat Dalton. All right, we he beat the Ravens. Yeah. And you're in the locker room and you clinch at that moment. Is that how that yeah, went? It, it was. What was that experience like? Because I think everybody was a Bills fan that day. Oh, man. It was incredible. I mean, just we had just beat Miami. We were watching that game. That game, I think, was either going to overtime or headed that way. I think Andy throws a fourth-quarter touchdown, and as soon as that guy scores, it was amazing just the amount of excitement in that locker room. Guys were screaming. Some people fell out because they were just getting lightheaded with <laughs> just that much excitement and just joy. And then you would have thought that, you know, it just would have been that little close group, us celebrating. We get back to the flight. Keep in mind, Miami, the Buffalo's a three-hour flight, so we land probably 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, snow's at least two, three feet off the ground. It's about zero degrees, feels like negative 10. Fans are out there. They're packed around the plane. 
I mean, as far as from the plane to the freaking street, fans are there. Yeah. Wow. Excited, celebrating, screaming, chanting. Bill's Mafia, it was just an amazing feeling. We knew it was going to be big. I mean, with some of the players from the past just talked about what being in the uh, playoffs and what football means to that area. And so you just kind of hear about it, but you really didn't know what to ex expect. And it was incredible to kind of have that kind of fan turn out and just for people to be there, like I said, 2 o'clock in the morning, zero degrees outside, and they're screaming for the Buffalo Bills as we walk off the plane. It was something that I'll probably never forget. I mean, the fact that the Bills fans were donating to Andy Dalton's yeah. nonprofit, yeah. made that made like national news, yeah. how much mm -hmm. money people were just throwing at his organization, which I, I'm sure Andy Dalton found pretty funny. But right. the fact that the fans were just so... They embraced you, and it seemed like you guys were playing on house money at that point. You know, was what was the pressure like heading into the playoffs after after oh, getting in? There wasn't any, to be honest with you. I think we were happy to be there, and we just wanted to go out there and just take it one game at a time. We fell short to Jacksonville that year, yep. but uh, you know, it, it was just something that you know for the guys in that locker room just to kind of get that experience because we were still a young team trying to figure things out. It was just a fun moment. Being around Josh Allen, look, you play defense, Josh Allen plays offense, but seeing the improvement of a player like that, Jerry, and I always say this, everybody in the league has to improve, no matter who you are. You're drafted number one, you're an undrafted free agent, you've got to get better from where you were, right? Yep. So seeing that trajectory, how important is it for the young guys to have that patience, yet work ethic, yet whatever it takes to continue to as ascend in this league because there are a lot of young players on this team, year two, year three, and the rookies that are taking part. Right. You know, you, you, I think, like, you got to have it all. You got to have a combination of uh, patience to understand that, you know, when you walk into an organization, things might not really unfold as quickly or as you want it. Like, it's not like a movie, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. where a, a lot of guys feel like they'll – walk in and be handed that starting role you, you got to compete that's just the way our business is but at the same time you got to have that same maturity and same work ethic to kind of carry that into the offseason I think that was his biggest turnaround point was you know finding a uh, coach who can kind of work with his quarterbacking skills and kind of get his arm under control and get his feet his eyes I mean he said that he literally broke down every thing about his body and um, I think that's that's smart I mean when mm. athletes take their craft that serious and you're able to go work with someone who's um, helping you to kind of better yourself on this field you know spend time doing that vacations are great those destinations will always be there you know we have such a small window to kind of capitalize on our talents and our skills and our abilities why not pour it all in and so when you're young you have all these resources now because it wasn't like when I was coming into the league where you had to search high and low for a trainer, you had to search for a facility or a chef and things like that. All that stuff is honestly on Instagram and Twitters or whatever mm -hmm. else you kind of use for uh, social media. Use all those resources because all those people, or you, you can position those people in your life and just going to make your career better. It's going to make you that much more successful because you hear about, you know, the Tom Brady's and the LeBron James, who's been doing it for, you know, 20 plus years and mm -hmm. they've been doing it at a high level. And you and, and you hear about how meticulous their diet is, how much sleep they get, you know, what they're doing in the offseason. And these guys are damn near 40. So if they're doing it at 40, why not try it at 22, 23 and have fun with, you know, what you're going to get? Because I'm pretty sure you're setting yourself up for a pretty successful career. When you're watching football games, you mentioned Tom Brady. Do you watch other guys that are 
like the same age as you? Are you watching younger guys? I mean, what motivates you uh, when you're watching some other games? Watch all. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a game, so I enjoy the game for like its entirety of just the sheer sport of it. Where it's it's Tom playing against Dallas, and you know they're having success on their offense, or it's uh, the kid out in Dallas. Uh, what's his name? Number eleven. Parsons. Micah Parsons. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's him hitting the tackle with a nice spin move and he's getting mm. the sack and he's just wreaking havoc it on that offensive line, I enjoy the game, you know. All right, one more for you. Yeah. Denver, mile high. What's your experience out there dealing with the altitude and do's and don'ts for your teammates? Mm. You know what? The altitude is real. I'm not going to lie about that. I uh, I had a pretty lengthy play uh, a couple years ago. Uh, I'm, I Picked up the ball, made a couple stops, ran here, ran there. Uh, tired myself out really, really fast, <laughs> I'll say that. So uh, I will say the altitude is real, but when you get off the plane, you know, walk around. Try to get acclimated to it, you know. You try to walk off the plane ride. That's kind of big on wherever I travel. I try to always walk, stretch, get mm -hmm. off the plane. I mean, we've been sitting for a couple hours, so you're going to get stiff. In high school, you call that bus legs, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that legs. stuff is real. So, like, yeah. enjoy the new scenery that's going to be around. I'm sure we'll be at a nice hotel that has a nice walking trail. Do that. Get acclimated. Mm -hmm. And then let's get ready to uh, kick some butt. Have you played Russell Wilson a lot in your career? What do you remember about facing him? Uh, you know what? I've played him a couple times. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's a very intuitive guy. Uh, he's very good at understanding the, the game, what's in front of him. He's going to give pretty much, or I should say he's going to take whatever we can give him. So, I mean, he's that good. He's that smart. I mean, he's getting paid that kind of money just because of he knows how to play that quarterback position so well, and he knows how to win. So when you're uh, playing against a guy like that, you got to understand it's going to be a four-quarter rally. The fourth quarter is probably going to be where he really uh, steps his game up, so we got to be right there with him step for step. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, there's Jerry Hughes. What a great addition to this team this year. Had a big game on Sunday looking for another this coming Sunday at Denver, which is where Justin Britt and the offensive line want to do a whole lot of work on that Broncos D. We'll see how it goes. And, of course, I asked Justin about the altitude. Do we make too big a deal out of this? I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, you know, we... We we train in pretty you know extreme weather here in Houston, so <laughs> yeah. um, you know I think if anything the the cooler air will kind of help us. But uh, I mean I, I told some of the younger guys um, you know you might feel like you're a little out of breath more than usual, but it really shouldn't impact you a whole lot. Speaking of a little bit longer, you used to play in sixty minutes. I remember going from high school to college from from forty eight minutes to sixty. That was a different deal. But then you come to the NFL, you play sixty minutes. How much did the extra 10 minutes tack on, Justin, just as far as the way your body felt maybe after a game? Did you feel that, the extra 10 minutes in overtime? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I think we had about 72 or 73 plays. So, I mean, I've, I've gotten that amount of plays in 60 minutes. So, yeah. um, I don't think it played a big part. Um, I think it was more, you know, mental than physical. Yeah. All right. Well, a little bit on the game on Sunday. How did it feel to get a tie? It's kind of a weird feeling. We've been talking about it a lot. You didn't win. You didn't lose. How do you feel? Yeah, it's, it is. It's it's real weird. There's uh, you don't know which way to, you know, pull your emotions. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of stuck in the sunken place um, until the next week. So, um, yeah, I'm just ready to watch the film, move on, and 
prepare for Denver. Justin, you have you have different guards around you. I mean, Kenyon's a rookie. Justin, you've been around a little bit. AJ's new this year. From a communication standpoint, there is there's always this talk. By the way, are you getting fined for this interview? No. Nah, okay. Nah. Right, just making sure. Um, we won't tell anybody. No, we won't tell anybody. Um, but the communication between you and the guy next to you, we've always asked this about offensive linemen, but when you get new guys next to you, guys you don't even know, how long does it sort of take to get that kind of communication camaraderie, if you will? It, it could take a while, um, but it could also happen really quick. Um, yeah. it's, it's For me, it's learning what they need. Um, you know, what Kenyon needs, um, you know, vocal-wise, communication-wise, every right. play compared to what AJ needs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a, one player might need a single word. The other player might need, you know, a whole sentence. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I feel like there was definitely points in this last game that could have been better, and I'll take the blame on that, and we'll just, um, you know, correct it and move on. Yeah, you take a lot of responsibility for things, and you see yourself as the quarterback of the offensive line. That's how people look at the center very often. Yeah, I mean, especially right now, um, being in charge of, you know, kind of pointing out who the mic is yeah. and, and where the protection is going and um, just seeing the defense with Davis. Um, you know, if something's going wrong, I definitely take pride in, uh, you know, putting it on me. Justin, is that what's different from last year to this year, just the responsibility, how it's divvied up between you and Davis as you look at the defense? Is that kind of the biggest difference? I mean, obviously, maybe play calls and verbiage and that kind of thing, but is that the biggest difference for you, the fact that that sort of thing is more on your, your shoulders than maybe it was last year? Maybe last year you were suggesting, whereas this year maybe you're deciding? Right, and when I was in Seattle – it was kind of this way. I was kind of running the show, yeah, um, and letting and letting Russ kind of sit back there and do his thing, and and so it works out in the quarterback's favor, especially a young quarterback like Davis. Yeah, um, he doesn't have to worry about where the protection needs to go. He doesn't need to worry about um, who the mic point is. Something silly is that for a quarterback? Um, he can see the the safeties, um, the coverage, whatever he needs to see, and it, it ultimately allows us to play a little bit faster there was one point in preseason now you weren't you weren't in at this point i can't remember i think it was the 49ers i can't remember but i don't even know if it was davis in the game but we came out of a timeout and up at the line it was almost as if whoever's at center it may have been jimmy was looking at one thing and it looked like the quarterback was well no i think it's this guy and it almost felt like they weren't kind of on the same page how with davis being on the same page if you see something and maybe he sees something different who sort of wins in that sort of argument uh, discussion, if you will? I don't know. There's, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of factors that play in there. Um, you know, with certain plays, I'm not going to argue what he sees. Yeah. Because um, he's not, you know, crouched over a ball looking at things. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, I definitely take his advice and his input serious because he has a different angle. He sees things in a different lens, if you will. I know you've been asked about Russell Wilson, uh, but you brought him up. And it's interesting that you guys are both in different places right now, but people act as if, all right, you're going to be blocking him. I mean, <laughs> you guys yeah. are just saying hello to each <laughs> other. What's that going to be like? Um, it, it'll be good. Um, you know, I love him uh, in our relationship and, and the memories that we had on and off the field. Um, so it, it'll be good to see him. It was fun to watch that game last night and the energy mm -hmm. with that whole environment. But, um, you know, it, it'll be exciting. Their home opener, um, there'll be a lot of juice in the air for both sides. Justin, when for you, 
is it week two or the next week? You said talking about you talked about watching and go back and watching the Colts film. Have you moved on to Denver just yet? Is that something that you've prepared for? And if you have, what do you see with the Broncos? And how much did you get a chance to watch the game last night? Yeah, so I've I've already watched our game against the Colts uh, by myself today. We'll watch it as a team, and then we'll kind of do a 360 in our spot and start preparing for Denver. Um, I watched the game last night. Um, you know, it's a whole different scheme than Indy. Indy's a kind of a four down. Yeah. Um, Denver is more of a three-four bear front, um, and so a different approach. Um, a lot of things to kind of tweak within our, our scheme and and uh, kind of open the the rules of certain plays and just kind of um, refresh them because we haven't obviously our defense is not a three-four, so um, a lot of focus, a lot of preparation needed this week. Justin, going on the road. What's it like being in the hotel waiting around for the game? It's not exactly a primetime night game, but it's a little bit extra here. And you got the body clock thing going on, but maybe in a positive way. And you were in Seattle all those years, by the way. You guys had that reverse body clock going on for most of your road trips, which had to be kind of weird. What time's the game? It's uh, 325 Central, so 225 okay. Mountain. So you will get to sleep in. That would be a difference. Yeah. Um, Very get true. to sleep in a little bit more. Um, Can you sleep? I, I can sleep. I can sleep because I think my body knows what's coming. So um, <laughs> it, it knows it needs, Heal. it needs to prepare. Free healing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, other than that, uh, you sleep in and then you wake up and you probably have some more time to kind of fine tune your thoughts and, and plans, if you will. Justin, one of the things that we talked about with Coach Smith is the fact that you guys have the day off on Monday as opposed to having the day off on Tuesday. And I don't know how it was in different places, but. What's the advantage of having that? What's maybe a disadvantage of doing that? The fact that you have the day off on Monday as opposed to Tuesday? I'm I'm trying to figure it out. This is my first time in Seattle and then last year it was always Tuesday was off. Yeah. Um and so like right now, heading in this morning, it kinda of felt like I haven't been in the building for like a week. <laughs> so coming from, you know, uh the game got done about three or four on Sunday. Yeah. And it felt like seven. Having to be in here. Yeah. It just it was a little weird, but um, at the same time, I like right now. I feel like the week's gonna appear shorter, you know, and and it feels more like we have an actual weekend. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's gonna take some trial and error and and find your rhythm with it. But uh, it's definitely something to adjust to. All right, Justin. Thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. Best of luck against Denver. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, there's Justin Britt. We've got some bonus Davis Mills material coming up next here. Texans Player Show, Texans Radio. All right, this is the final segment on the Texans Player Show for this week, and we already had Jerry Hughes on for a lengthy visit and Justin Britt. And this is some bonus Davis Mills material. You can get the whole thing online, HoustonTexans.com, the Texans app. But here is a sampling of the hard-hitting questions you get on Drew's Dozen with Davis Mills. And I've got the version with the music in the beginning, too. But Drew begins asking Davis Mills about, has he dug anything lately? What is the last thing he dug up? I don't know where Drew's going with this. This is weird stuff. But, you know, it's Drew and Davis Mills. What's the last time you remember digging something? Ooh, maybe last time I went down to Galveston. It was the, the first time and only time I've been down there so far this offseason. The house we rented had some shovels in the garage, and I was messing around on the beach trying to not be bored just sitting there the whole day. So <laughs> got to find something to do. I was just playing around in the sand. A sandcastle guy, yes? 
Or were yes. you building like I benches just, or what was going I on? I can't sit still for too long, so I just had to find anything <laughs> I do to get moving. Okay, so you're digging at the beach. This, this fascinates me. What else is going on for a day at the beach, Davis Mills? Not too much. Try to bring some snacks down there. Mm-hmm. Get hungry pretty fast. Yep. Um, Everything tastes better at the beach too, exactly. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Try to get a little bit of a tan in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just got a puppy this off season too, so I had a, a dog to chase around too and make sure he doesn't run off. Wow. What type of dog is it? A uh, golden doodle. Golden Dude, okay. What's it, what's the name? Rufus. Rufus. How'd you come up with that? My favorite artist music group is Rufus Dussault, and uh, my first dog ever was named Ruckus. And anyone you'd tell that name to, they'd always confuse it with Rufus, so I thought it was a, a pretty cool <laughs> ode to the old pup. And balls, uh, dogs go Roof Roof, too. That's pretty exactly. good. It's, yep. That's a Simple. perfect name. Uh, what's the craziest thing or the most unique thing that Rufus does right now? He's in his puppy phase right now, so he's just biting everything. We yeah. just got to try to control him. I think he's eight and a half months right now. So, Are his teeth still razors? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I love that about dogs <laughs> and hate it at the same time. Okay, here's another thing. Do you ever get lost driving? No. Because you're a prepared guy, right? I have a guy, right? pretty good sense of direction. I always know, I mean, north, south, east, west. So if I can figure out which direction I need to be headed in, it's kind of difficult to get lost. So with that in mind, do you always have the GPS going when you're going someplace new, or do you just kind of write down the directions? I usually do. Unless I know, like, something that's near it, I'll probably just use GPS just to have it just in case. Yeah, that always works. Okay, thumbs up. I like it. You've been doing it a lot. We've kind of made it a little bit of a thing. When did that start for you? I don't know. I've never been, like, a big on-camera person, so that's just something simple to kind of show the camera that you you care and you're you want them to know that you know that they matter but it's also something to kind of get by don't ask me too many questions <laughs> as i walk by I, that's good <laughs> it keeps it going keeps yep. things moving uh last gift you gave someone is what my girlfriend for her birthday in june i got her a bag and just flowers okay yeah that's good i was talking to one of your receivers philip dorsett and he gave his wife a peloton and initially, I was like, oh, hey, uh, did she ask for that? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 she asked for it. Because like, you never want to give a woman cleaning gifts or exercise equipment if they don't ask. because yeah. I see him riding it all the time on his social media. So <laughs> yeah. I guess it was a gift for both of them. It's a good gift when you can, make, exactly. when you can take advantage of it yourself. I, I've done that before. It was, it was mainly with books back in the day with my dad. But anyways, game day, the night before, what time do you go to sleep? Before 10 o'clock. Before know. 10 o'clock. Is that normally any, like, during the week? You yeah, that's, sleep? I mean, pretty consistent throughout the week. Get your good solid um, eight hours. Try to close your eyes by 9.45 and hopefully fall asleep before 10. And what time you wake up every morning? Right around 5. Okay. Yeah, so I'm seven, seven-ish hours, seven, eight hours. As I said, you can get the full version of the Drew's Dozen on the Texans app and HoustonTexans.com and the hard-hitting Drew Doherty questions. Look, Drew's interviews are normally more football-ish, but uh, the Drew's Dozen stuff is very lifestyle-oriented and just weird, okay? Drew likes to be that way. All right, coming up, Texans All-Access, Texans matchup on the way as well. It's all good. A three-hour block on Tuesdays. Thanks so much for listening to this program, the Texans Players Show. Go Texans!